0: Welcome to Between the Game and Life podcast, where we intersect sports, life lessons, and we just try to learn, pick up different nuggets from, from some of the top people to do it in their, in their fields. Today, I got my man, Shelvin Mack on. Shelvin, I really appreciate having you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, man. We got a lot of memories together.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Like I texted you, it's, it's going to be some things I'm going to bring up going to make you laugh. Things you're gonna be like how did, how, did, how did he remember that? So I want to talk about the first time I saw you. Um, you were you were playing for Beaumont Middle School football. And this is the year Winburn won the championship in the city. And I and I remember you because you were like the only black dude on the team, and I think the score was like six to zero. It was something 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 uh, low. But then you transferred to Winburn, and I remember me and Charles were in the lunch line, and he said, Hey, you see him right there. Code. and it was I think it was actually the first day of basketball tryouts and everyone was excited because Winburn had won the championship the year before and the thought was if if we had you we were going to repeat and I remember you came to tryouts and it looked so easy you had you had your sleeve you had a long sleeve white tee the sleeves were rolled up to the elbow you had you had the and ones on from station and bro it looked so easy and I didn't grow up a basketball player, and so when I was watching you, I was like mesmerized because I'd never seen someone with so much skill at a young age. So, what was your first memories of playing basketball, and how did you develop your game at a young age like that?
1: My very first memory of the basketball is you no know, watching Jordan, watching Kobe Bryant. I grew up in California as well. Some people know, some people don't. So at 30, I thirty at Fox Sports Net. But the Lakers play on all the time. So used to watch all the Lakers game when Glenn Rice was on the Lakers. Oh that's kind of when I started picking up I'm picking it up. But my uncle and family you know everyone played basketball. Used to be at Dunbar Center all the time and a uh, Dunbar Community Center down in Lexington off limestone. Just working on my game you know it's something for me to do to get out get out the house. You know, I wasn't really into the street stuff and I wasn't gonna sit at home all day. So I spent a lot of time just at the gym just working on my game man. You no, know, it's continued to got better over the years. I realized what I wanted to do in my life was just continue working at basketball. Use basketball. Don't let basketball use you. Um, but I do remember going in there, uh at Winburn, going to tryouts. And I think it was the last day y'all saw me at tryouts. <laughs> because I did not come back and play in middle school basketball.
0: No, you did not. You did not. So, this concept of working on your game, what did that look like for you? So, like for me, as I thought about how I approached the game in the off season, even, you know, in during that middle school time, high school time, I would like put myself through drills, like cones, chairs out there in front of my house at the park. Didn't really care who was watching, but for you, what did that look like? Was it more like unstructured shoot around? Did you put yourself through drills? Did you have somebody train you?
1: Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, I think it's great for players to get a lot of, a lot of everything, you get a lot of sauce in the game. You no, know, now, Guys just want to work out all the time, not play too much five on five, want to rest their body. So I did you know, a lot of drill work, cone work. But then it what helped me out a lot is I always played against older guys. Um, take some of their tricks. You know, they are stronger, more physical than me. So I was able to use that when I come back down. But, no, I definitely did cone work. I'm not going to lie and say I didn't. Um, I understand the player I was and what I was capable of doing. So some stuff I just didn't work on. Me trying to go bop, 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 bop. I, I ain't doing all that. <laughs> Me trying to work on dunking three times in a, in a drill, I'm not doing that. So I just stay uh, real solid, you know, understand my game and what I needed to work on and just become good at it. You know, I was always the, the mid-range guy, you know, stop and pop, shoot the mid-range, then, I uh, you know, as I continue to get to the next level, it was like, I can't shoot that mid-range, they're going to block that thing. So you know, I start working on my float. So just being, being able to adapt to your situations and being real with yourself helped me out a lot throughout my career.
0: So do you think playing with those older guys helped you develop that, um, you know, that feel for the game at a young age, as far as like you, you said, you you understood what your game was. So I think about like myself, I didn't understand what my game was in high school. I was trying to mimic a lot of what y'all did, trying to be overall, you know, have have a more balanced skill set. And I, I'm just now figuring out my game at 30 years old. <laughs> but for you, do you think playing with those older guys helped you, you know, find your game or what you were good at at a young age?
1: Yeah. You know, when you're playing against older guys, some passes you can't make. You know, you get a lot of bad tendency playing against, if you're more skilled than someone, playing against less skilled players over and over and over again, not challenging yourself. You think, it's, you, think you can get away with a backdoor bounce pass that bounces twice instead of just skipping off the ground. So, you know, playing with them, um, you know, you turn your back, they pick in your pocket. You no, know, all of those things add up and let me like, understand, like, my crossover ain't as good as I think it is. They taking that thing every time uh, <laughs> I ain't making any shots. when I got something like six, five on me, like understand how to work on my game to, to put me in my box you know, when I need it to be. Gotcha.
0: One question that I had for you, and this is a question I always want to know about when I listen to other um, podcasts, but was there someone on the local level that you admired and looked up to?
1: Great question. Um, local level and, and Lexington, I would or, say always, uh, yeah, in Kentucky, it was always, uh, you know, my, my good friend Darius and Chris Lopin and, and seeing those guys, how they work, being in the country in Mason County, we all been there before, there's not too much to do. And just seeing them work on their game every single day, you know, put the time and effort in and, and just and stay focused.
0: Yeah. So I played with you at Brown Station High School. You had a great career. Um, It was really great to watch you transition um, all throughout Brown Station, watch you get better as a person. Um, When when a lot of people ask me about you and about your game in high school, I always say that your basketball IQ is what sets you apart. Kind of like what you are just saying. You weren't the quickest guy. You didn't jump the highest. uh, Maybe you didn't have the best handle, but I always admired your basketball IQ. Um, And there's one play that sticks out to me. We were down in South Alabama some jump ball happened where there was an actual jump ball. I don't know what how this even happened in the high school. And you were you were going through the you were going to do the tip with a taller player, but when the referee threw the ball up, you took a step back and the dude he, he tipped it right to you and the referee's like, No, nah, you can't do that. But I remember being blown away like wow, like I would have tried <laughs>
1: <laughs> you would have tried to shot with the seven yeah. footer uh, <laughs> smack him all on his <laughs> arm and all that. <laughs> Hey, some battles you just know you're not gonna win, man. You gotta you gotta understand that like I understand that a lot throughout my career, no, this playing basketball, whether it's dealing with that or in life is you know, my regular year playing against D Rhodes. I'm not that fast. I need to back up. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I might be guarding somebody else I could pick up for a court, but understand who I am, understand the guy giving uh, abilities I have and the ones he has. Back up, <laughs> shell. <laughs> Put that uh, in. That's what that is.
0: That's funny. So you go to Butler and one one question I want to ask you. So the funny thing about basketball, or I should say the fun thing about basketball is that everyone gets on campus, right? You're gathering, you're meeting your teammates, maybe you have a cookout before the season or whatever, but we all know that there's that first open gym pickup game that's coming. And so yeah. I was telling someone else, I remember going to Juco and the night before all the guys went out to party and I knew they were going to go get drunk. And I said, I know we playing in the morning, <laughs> so y'all go ahead. I was in my I was in my room doing like drills with no ball, like above the rim kind of stuff.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so we go to play open gym the next day, and I'm like the only one in there that's fresh. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about that first open gym session at Butler when you stepped on campus?
1: this <sighs> is it's the two things. My first time going to campus. Um, you no, know, six freshmen coming in. Yeah, um, Butler had two guys graduating seniors. So there's a lot of playing time why wide open to be there. I committed to Butler early and before my roommate, Ronald Noir. Uh, so he's the ranking stuff coming out. So I think I might have been a three-star and he was he might have been like a four or five star. So I was like, man, I ain't going to Butler. Like I don't got time to do that. I'm trying to play. All right. So you no know, everybody's like, don't worry about just going in, and compete. So we when we got to when we got to the, the first open gym. No, Ron's my roommate, no first day on campus. We could be together for a few days um before we be able to play. You gotta move in, get all that stuff. And then we rolled the balls out on the court. I'm like, Ron, you the four or five star. I'm good. <laughs> <It was> just, <laughs> like it just, you just play two different games. You know, was My best friend, uh, you know, he's a defensive player, but I was worried about him at first. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna be fighting for playing time the whole time. But to see him, you know, my skill set and what I worked on throughout my uh, high school journey, you know, I I was able to you no, know, take advantage of it on Thursday and kind of set the tone and let everybody know, like, I'm here to play. Yeah, I'm
0: going to come back to the Butler experience a little bit, but I want to fast forward to after your freshman year. So you play for the, the U-19 team and you want to you want a gold medal. Now, when you got home from that gold medal, I was waiting for you at your house. You get the mail and there's a check in there from the USA team. I still remember the amount of that check and you showed it to me. How much me. was it? It probably it was, wasn't that much. It was like
1: $1,200. Yeah, yeah it, it sounded about
0: right. And so you showed it to me. Was that the first time you realized that you could possibly get paid for playing this game when you got that check in the mail?
1: Um, somewhat. You no, know, the year before, I was able to work on um, USA. I mean, not USA. No, 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 no. A few months before that, I was able to work on um, Remember LeBron James Skills Academy and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I was able to work that and got paid. But you know, getting a check from USA basketball was, was a big thing. I think they uh I didn't get paid enough. You know, I was I was a month's paycheck right there. <laughs> Travel all over the world knees hurting and all of that, but it is what it is. You no, know, I enjoy that process. I'm very thankful, you know, being able to represent the country and play and play for the, uh, for the country. It just it was it was something special you realize you don't never realize how big it is when you're going through it but looking back on it it was it was really special
0: yeah i was reading the headlines from that and uh the usa was on like a 18 year drought from winning the gold medal on that on that level coached by yeah. jamie dixon uh clay thompson was on that team Darius miller tyshawn taylor seth curry was on that team gordon Hayward.
1: Yeah, yeah me and gordon was on there too as, so, as well so it was a it was a great team like coach painter yeah it was it was really big like you said it was haven't won it in like 18, 19 years, and that's kind of unacceptable for a USA team basketball team. So it's kind of a big deal for us to never get that win. Yeah.
0: So going back to the Butler experience, um, y'all go to the national championship game two years in a row, right? So when you leave to go to Butler, we <laughs> we don't think here in Lexington Kentucky that Butler Bulldogs are going to the national championship, right? Throughout that Throughout the first year, were y'all thinking, like were y'all just happy to make it to the NCAA tournament or did you know that you could make a special run?
1: I get my years kind of mixed up. I know one year we won like 21 games in a row. So I don't know if that was my freshman year. I think it had to be my freshman. So freshman year we won like 20 games in a row. Then we got to the tournament ended up playing LSU. Yep, they had a guy named Marcus Stark. I'm still mad at our coaching staff. Nobody told us he was SEC player of the year. He was out there barbecuing chicken. Huh? It, it was bad, it was really bad.
0: We were watching so, that game at at, at, at uh, school when y'all were playing.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, it, it, it was really bad. So we lost that. You no, know, um, we all freshmen understand what we did this year was unbelievable, winning we 20, 20 games in a row. Then I think that's when me and Gordon went to the USA team, and when we, uh, when we went to the USA team. He was able to get to play against the, you know, the bigger schools. You know, at Butler. A lot of times, the bigger schools don't want to play you. If they beat us, they're supposed to beat us. And if they lose, it looks bad. So they don't, they don't want to take a chance. So when we got to the USA Basketball, there's one against Evan Turner, Trevor Booker, um, you know all these players that are really good and projected to go top ten. And we was like, oh, we got a chance. Like we, we're pretty special. So playing playing against those guys, giving us the confidence to come back next year, and we really felt like we could we could do something. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and then that the second year I went to the national championship game was probably maybe a little bit more special because y'all lost Gordon to the to the draft, and you were like the top, you're like the top man. And so yeah. take us back to when you like as you're going through the tournament because I was looking at your numbers. A few, It was crazy, huh? It was crazy. It was a crazy <laughs> run. I mean, you were cooking yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now I was I was playing uh, extremely well. I was actually talking to Matt Howard the other day about it. But it's a lot of things that had to go right for us to get to the the national championship. People don't remember the first game we won at the buzzer against ODU. It was like Mm -hmm. a tip-in. So without that, we we wouldn't have been there. Then Pittsburgh, I had my famous foul at half court uh, (laughs) for no reason. Then they fouled us, so we was able to escape that. Then we played Wisconsin. Wisconsin we just won. And Florida, we went to overtime to make it back to the final four. So it was a lot of things that had to go right within those two weeks. And, you know, it just all worked out in our hands. But the first two rounds, easily could have went home and it had been a different story. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then in 2011, after that um, after that junior year season, you go to the NBA. And so I've always thought about this with you. And I think what I love about your story is that, like, I was, I was a friend and have watched, you know, you in high school, followed your college journey. And to have someone you know personally, like reach the dream of so many young kids out here, like you got drafted in the second round, but still hearing your name called, you know, Shelvin Mack to
1: the Washington Wizards. What was that feeling like, bro? That was an unbelievable feeling. It's something like, it's hard to describe in words. It's just something like, I actually did it. I was talking to somebody uh, last night. You know, I mentor a lot of kids right now, getting uh, going to the draft process. And it's like, no matter where you get drafted, just remember you one of those 4,500 players ever to, 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 to reach this goal. So you no know, draft, I think we had a party in Lexington, Kentucky. Um I didn't go to the draft. I wasn't about to go there and, and be on TV sitting there out all, all day. I kind of I kind of knew where I was and I understand that. Um so this is Lexington Kentucky, just hanging out with my family. It's just it's just great to see all the hard work. Being uh, persistent over the time and your goal finally paid off, and and sticking to it. You know, it's a lot of times it's been tough. Get cut, deal with injuries that don't go your way, but just continue to put that time in, day in, day out, and you see the the end result.
0: And another question I wanted to ask you about that time is that you got drafted when it was a lockout, and so were you? Were you like constantly communicating with the Wizards, talking to your agent? Like, were you? uh, I'm sure there was like a lot of limbo. Yeah it, was, uh, it a, yeah, it was a lot of layers going
1: into it because obviously I left school early, knowing we're going into a lockout. So it's like you have, it could be a whole year, you're not doing anything. You could be at school finishing your degree, you could be playing basketball. But I just knew it wasn't nothing else for me to do basketball wise in college. I wanted a, uh, another goal. I knew we was going into a lockout. I was able to you know, work some things out to be sh- straight financially. I didn't you know live above my means, thinking I'm an NBA I'm still like a college student. We had a, you know, a little communication with the Wizards, but they, they couldn't do it technically. Got like a mini camp in Vegas with, with the team. And then, uh, you know, the season started in December. So you got to stay in shape. That's the other thing about it. You got to stay in shape the whole time. You just yep. never know when, when it's time to go. You got to be ready to go. Um, yep. And I think I, I kind of took that seriously. I think everybody on the team did. And we started out on 18. <laughs> my, my first 18 games in the NBA. <laughs>
0: So did you sign a contract after the draft or did you have to wait until everything negotiated between the league and the teams and stuff?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I think I want to say, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. at all.
0: Gotcha. Cause I was, I was asking that because uh, you saying that you were, you were smart financially. Uh, have you ever heard <laughs> Give Arenas' story when he was drafted second round, he spent like all his money.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I say it all the time. Like being in the league eight years, you know people get advances, and yeah. the advances is way more than what they think it is. Like people understand about taxes, escrow, all of that stuff. So, you know uh, I worked some stuff out with my people that I know I was going to lock out and have to pay anything back. And you no, know, this is this is this is how it's going to go. Yeah. Through
0: your professional career, you've walked into a lot of different situations. You know, you've walked into the Wizards as a rookie. You've walked into the to the D League the different teams on 10-day contracts. What is that feeling like when you're kind of walking in there as the guy that's, you know, knowing that you're going to have to grind a little bit harder, knowing you have to prove yourself, um, and the teams are bringing you and expecting to, to 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 do a role and perform for, you know, the length of time that they have you? Are you are you super nervous? Is it anxious? Like, what does that feel like?
1: No, early on, you're kind of nervous. But, you no know, at the end of the day, you just compete. You're playing basketball. I don't worry about all the other stuff. You know, everyone has a story. Everybody there who's been there for eight or 10 years, 20 years, did the same thing. And it's a process. You just kind of enjoy it. But I think it's the beauty of sports. You, uh, you're able to learn how to work with different people from different cultures, and everybody can get the same goal accomplished. But, you know, sometimes you know, I come in, I can feel the room, feel the energy. I might connect with this person, might not connect with this person, but they're competing for the same spot, He might get cut. So you have all those dynamics going into it. But... You no, know, once they roll the ball out, you just start playing basketball. You know, you want to hopefully make sure your team win. you know, make the right play, and you think that people kind of notice those things. So the other big difference I'll tell people is, like, being in the G League, D League, whatever you want to call it, and getting caught up, you're getting caught up to do different things than what you're doing in the G League. You're not going to go from averaging 25 for the main red clause to go to Philly and think you got to average 25. So you got to do all the little, little small detail stuff that, you no, know, kind of get you noticed. Yeah.
0: Another question I want to ask you is this concept of opportunity. Right. So the more basketball I've watched over the years, the more that I see, like the way opportunity uh, system coach all fits into how a basketball player performs. Sometimes you can have all the talent, but if you go to the wrong coaching staff, the wrong system, don't get the opportunity, you know, it can be bad for you or, is, or, or it's not going to work out as, as, um, as well as you've planned. And I think your career is a, is a testament to that. For example, going to Butler where, you know, you get Brad Stevens, you, you get the right system, your game flourishes, you ever make it to the league. If you go to a different school, who knows what, you know, what would happen. Can you, can you speak a little bit to that about how opportunity can really showcase your game and, and also get into the right coaching system?
1: Yeah, I think opportunity is, uh, like, you, you can create a lot of opportunity. Um, like I said, growing up in Lexington, no, I always wanted to go to U.K. I understand if I go to U.K., I might not play for three years, and if I do play, John Wall's coming next year. There wasn't a lot of opportunity there. Uh, SEC schools, you know, the same thing. Like I could go there and play. When I wanted to go somewhere I could create give myself the best opportunity to be successful. And that was going somewhere where people might not know the school, people might not know Butler University, but it's where I wanna go at and I wanna play. And with that being said, you know, it's a lot of people right now who have jobs to go out there and find you. So, you know, it's not like back in the day where you had to create videos, highlight tapes and, and put all out like, you, Everybody can find you. If you're good, you're good. Like, that's how they found Luca. That's how they found the Greek freak. If they, they're gonna find you, don't worry about that. So just going around and keep working on your game. But also with the opportunity, you got to make sure you prepare that's one thing the opportunity comes and go if, you, if you're not prepared is this is this a blown a blown situation you might not ever get again i say covid is a big thing this year this past year but you know a lot of people was catching COVID early in december and some people was like working to get in shape some people not taking seriously and when a team called, you're not you're not prepared to go like you miss your opportunity so opportunity is that way and sometimes it's, it's just luck sometimes it's just in the cards and, uh no, but if you work at it, you know, long enough, eventually it'll come. Did you see what Andre Ingram, I think that's his name from the uh, G League with the Lakers, like it took him 20 years to get an opportunity. Yeah. Now he's, now he's making the best of it, but it's hard to stay down and locked in and that long. And that's one dude, like, I, I see that was seriously focused on achieving his dream of playing in the NBA.
0: Yeah. What do you think it was about yourself where you were able to find a roster spot for nine years? There were many people that, you know, speaking about U.K., there's many McDonald's All-Americans that were first-round picks that didn't last as long as you as you did. What do you think it was about you that you were able to stick on, stick on teams?
1: Being able to adapt. You know, some teams I might be the biggest cheerleader. Some teams <laughs> I might be the sixth man. It is being able to adapt to your situation. And I think a lot of guys – can't do that and are used to that. You know, everyone's going to average 20. Like, like I said before, like with me and the G League, I averaged 25, 8, and 8. That wasn't happening in the NBA. I, I, and I kind of I knew my role and I was okay with that. You know, some games I'll be able to get 25 and this and that. But just staying professional, um, you know, a lot of times in this basketball world, it's not, it's not always basketball, it's business. And being able to separate the two, I think that's what helped me out a lot. Understand situations and teams, and this guy got drafted. You know, you're not gonna be here next year. We're losing. He might need a little bit more time to grow. Might as well get some extra reps in. Like I, I had a great mindset and a great team around me to help me. You know, kind of analyze that and not take it personal.
0: Yeah. Another question I wanted to ask you as far as being on a team, um, does who you're playing behind also impact your opportunity? As far as like, for example. A team might expect um, more of you playing behind John Wall than 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 you would playing behind Jeff Teague. Not the you know not not to disrespect anybody. Yeah. But does that uh, make sense? Does that question make sense?
1: Yeah, I can help you. on um, What it is? It just say it this way. It's like no offense to Jeff. That's my boy. But me playing behind John, I know he's playing forty minutes no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, and if I t- turn the ball over twice, he might play forty four minutes. I'm not playing. Right. And if I go out there and get 20, I still not I still might not even get any extra minutes. But you no know, playing behind Jeff, you know, sometimes, you know, the situation, you know, he's in last year's contract. They don't know if he's gonna leave, he's gonna stay, he's been flirting with other teams. John, he's gonna be with the Wizards. When I was there, he's with the Wizards for the next eight years. He's not going anywhere. So there's able to, you know, <clears throat> let him play a lot more. But uh with Jeff is, you know, they trying to see our uh, he might be here. He might not. My Sheldon's going to be here. Let's give him some extra playing time. If he's playing well and from there. So I think that's kind of is that what you mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now, you spoke about the business of basketball. Here's another story that I have for you. It was after your rookie year, we were at um, the house you had just purchased from our coach. And you were kind of showing me, you showed me your your paycheck. But you were also talking about what other guys were getting paid on the team as well. And I still remember those numbers. I'm not going to say them. And so you were showing me your paycheck. And then let's fast forward to um, when my son and I came to watch you play down in Memphis. And you were telling me just about some things financially that you were thinking long term. Um, when did it click and what did it click for you to think long term in the league or who or who helped you think long term as far as from a financial standpoint?
1: Cal um, Corver had like the best quote I ever think of. So you want to live like a king for a few years, or you want to live like a prince forever? Mm. So like, you know a lot, of, a lot of guys, you know make it to the league. They're gonna be the king, then fly private, all of this. And you know, as basketball players, we got a short amount of time to make a lot of money. You know, you have ten years to make forty years worth of money. So you got to kind of make it last. You know, he kind of broke that down to me, and it, it just resonated with me, and it stuck with me. So you no, know, I, I love to enjoy myself, but I also like to keep it simple. And no, I can eat ramen noodles here and there. I had something the other day. Like I don't need to eat steak every single night. I can, I can keep it simple a lot of times. And that's what I choose to do. And not just buying stuff because I, I have the money to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want and, to...
1: And, and, and with that, it's like being okay with yourself. You know, uh, my rookie year, my first car was a price of 300 So, you know, I had the piece by Dre when I'm pulling up, no rookie year. It's a Rolls Royce, a Range Rover. Like I didn't have the money to do that because I had. To, I wanted to achieve other goals. It's like taking care of my family, getting them out of that situation, mm-hmm. making sure everything's right. And I was okay. My pride wasn't hurt. I thought that I thought the 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 Crescent three hundred was clean. I had the, <laughs> the, the the tent it had the shade. There's the Mini back right there. And I felt good and I was comfortable with that.
0: Right. Yeah. I remember you being like that in high school, though, like you didn't really get into all the trends and fads and
1: like you weren't yeah. you weren't a follower like like many people are. Nah, y'all used to make fun of me in my G units. My Reebok.
0: Yeah, uh, that's funny. Here's another question that I was thinking about as well. Um, so when when we're just having like small talk and I'm, and I'm saying we're as in like people that are fans of the game. And people that have played the game, but we didn't reach the highest level of NBA. So when we see guys on the bench and we think like, oh, if we could just be like them, you know, oh, I'd be fine riding the bench making whatever that amount is. But I remember one night we were talking and you were just discussing about how like you wanted more and you were kind of upset at the way you know your minutes were being handled. Can you speak to can you speak about, like, once you achieve your dream, that drive to want more, to better yourself and not being comfortable just making it or just
1: getting there? I think the biggest thing is being competitive. If you're competitive, you want to, you know, achieve more and do more. People who work, people who are accounting, it's like it's hard to go to the meeting every single day Then you're not involved in no, nothing financial. It's like eventually you're going to want more no matter what they pay you. Um, I think people got to understand that. And you want to win. You always feel like if something goes wrong, you can help the team out. If somebody doing right, you can help the team out. It's just the nature of everybody. Um, you know, you're you great. you great with your words. And, and I'm sitting there chopping my words up the whole time. You're going to want to step in and say something to me. Okay? You're not just going to sit there and let me not do anything. So that's the same situation where a lot of players feel like. And it's, sometimes it's, it's, sometimes you have to sit there and be okay. I think the perception is everybody thinks that you could be like you've done as has to. Yeah. Donis Haslam's doing that now after his 20th year. He's okay with that. But the younger Donis Haslam, once he got there and hoop and play. Right. And I think people don't understand when you have the years that, to go out there and grind, you, you, you want to go out there and grind it and, and figure it out.
0: Yeah. So you went from NBA to overseas. What was it like being an NBA veteran to going overseas?
1: Uh, being a rookie overseas, it, it was different. I went to a, a good situation uh, with Messina. He was in the the NBA for a year before. The prior year before was San Antonio, coach with the Lakers with Kobe. Uh, he just a uh, he's just crazy. I say that, mm-hmm. uh, but it was it was great. You know, overall, it was ran like an NBA team. We flew private um, out of the country to certain certain teams in certain situations. It's just a uh, just a different different lifestyle. It was great experience for me. I was able to bring my family, my kids got to see something different, my wife got to see something different. Um, I enjoyed it. And you no, know, I, I can see why a lot of guys go over right now. No, uh, that was a financial financial decision as well to go over there. Is like I can have a non-guaranteed playing the NBA and try to make a team, or I can have a guaranteed X, Y, and Z. Right. So I'm gonna take the X, Y, and Z. Like I accomplish my goal, playing the NBA. I know this thing can get a little tricky uh the situation I'm in, and if somebody wants to go, then I'm thrown in, is this it might just be a rap for me. And it happened to me a few times before. Now it's kind of scarred scarred from that. I like, I need to kind of take what's best for me and my family. Yeah.
0: I was um, I'm actually reading um Giannis's book and it talks about some of the teams that were over there in just the environment of of um, professional Greece. Yeah. Basketball. Did you see any of that, just, like, the crazy atmosphere and just, like, fans throwing stuff? and. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, it's definitely crazy. So, it's playing, back, playing professionally basketball 10 years. So, uh, we lost the game. And, you know, we had to practice the next day. We going through shell drill, 4-on-4 and all that. Next thing you know, it's like the – say, like, the, the fan club. Like, yeah. 50 people walked in the gym. We had to stop doing the drill. And they sat there and it's like they were just able to like give us the business, like they was the coach or GM or something. We had to sit there. I'm like, man, what is this? (laughs) Like they waited outside the present facility and everything. They were just unhappy with some stuff. And like, I never experienced nothing like that before.
0: Was it kind of scary?
1: It wasn't scary. Uh, No, I wasn't able to be in those kind of situations. I know it can get kind of crazy, but it it was COVID. So it wasn't like a lot of people could be there all the time. But flares in the street and all that. but and I'm to c- walk in the middle of practice and shell drill. And and the, and the GM let him do it. It wasn't like, hey, y'all got to get out. It was like, hey, y'all come sit here. They got to talk to y'all. <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, that's crazy.
0: What is it about the overseas game that is so different from the NBA? Because whenever I watch an overseas basketball game, the court just looks so tight. It looks so compact. The driving lanes don't look open. It's just a. I mean, the, the look and feel of the game is just totally different than the NBA. And I remember Luca even saying like it's harder to score overseas than it is in the in the league. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, somewhat. I think the the. Alright, it's two things with that. The biggest thing is no, it's no defensive Right. So just imagine if uh, if Anta could just stay in the paint the whole time, like yeah. it'd be very difficult for anybody to score. You have right. other people. Uh, I think the skill level is not as high over there, and people kind of take it as that like the NBA is not playing hard or, or doing something. Like over there, there's not a lot of guys who can just catch and shoot from anywhere. You know, in the NBA, if you have everybody sitting in the paint, and I just kick it one pass away, it's going to be a knockdown jump shot. Right. So that's the reason why it's, it's real packed in the middle. And then uh, the, other, the other misconception is people don't play defense in the NBA. They think they play defense harder overseas because everyone's just sitting there. It's like, no, is this. If he's open. Take the shot. Then the style of play is just completely different. You no, know, a lot of times they believe in you no know, ball movement and all of that. You know, Americanize. It. If if I pass it to you, you wide open on the first pass. Like shoot it. Yeah, it's always like can get a better shot. And I think that's kind of what messes messes it all messes it all up.
0: Yeah. Another thing I was thinking about the about the state of the game is that the NBA changed. Like in the middle of your career, like probably around 2015, 2016, kind of when the Warriors started, it became over a three point dominated league. And I remember when Jaleel Okafor got drafted and the league like literally changed that summer where it's like we don't have traditional post players anymore. And I wanted to ask you, do you think you would be more successful as a rookie in two thousand, you know, twenty two than you were in two thousand eleven?
1: Yes, I definitely think so. Uh now, it's not really a lot of vets right now. So it's a lot of rookies who could just mess up the whole time with no punishment, <laughs> like bad, bad series. Yeah. So like you are able to get a lot, get away with a lot more, and it's more possessions throughout the game. You no, know, more possession means more points, more opportunities to you know to showcase your skill level. But you no, know, it's, it's a lot of guys come in able to like. It's no such thing as a bad shot right now for a rookie. You know, late in the season, playoffs didn't realize bad shots, but. A lot of times, is get up get up, and get going. Um, you see in Boston, it's a lot of different situations. Um, you know, they had all the draft picks while the young mm-hmm. players come in, but they also was behind um, Brown and Tatum, so they didn't get too many chances to, to do anything. Like Romeo Langford, remember him? Yep. Like, he didn't get too many chances to experiment and work on his game field and went to somewhere else. Well, same way with my situation, going to D.C. behind John, I didn't get to experiment, and I was like, John's team, like yeah, we'll was somewhere else with a lot more possessions, I think it. I think it would be different. Yeah, gotcha. So you've had a my allergies is killing me.
0: <laughs> I know. I just I just got over some myself allergies. I was thinking about the totality of your career. You know, NCAA uh, championship game twice, gold medal, eight or nine year NBA veteran. You've had your jersey retired at our high school. You had your jersey retired and. Uh, are you in the Butler Hall of Fame now?
1: I am going in the Butler Hall of Fame this year, it I hasn't see.
0: came out yet, yes. So. Oh, uh, sorry. Congratulations That's on that. Um, so going to the Butler Hall of Fame, you're transitioning to being on TV, talking about the college game. Like, you've accomplished a lot in, I would say, a 10 to 12 years span. Um, what are some of your biggest takeaways from from your career and some of the biggest life lessons you learned in the meantime?
1: saying just being prepared um opportunity comes and don't be afraid don't be afraid to try stuff you know even like going overseas no i wasn't afraid i wasn't worried about anything it's like i'm gonna take it it works out it doesn't um same thing with the tv this year like i haven't I've had too much training with it um you know i went i was terrible <laughs> i got better at it over time i put the work in it's like anything Do you put the work in and things will happen but As long as you put the time and work in, you know, things happen. I've been very blessed and grateful for the things I've been able to accomplish. Uh, You know, sometimes I wake up and, like, some of the stuff is crazy what I'm able to do. You know, my short 32 years of living right now, got a long way to go. Uh, You know, just taking it day by day and enjoying, just enjoying the moment.
0: You know, it's funny you say that you're 32 because... For some reason, like professional athletes, when I see them on TV, they just seem so much older. And I don't know if it's just because of like what they're able to accomplish in a short window of time. Like like my son a couple of weeks ago was talking about Blake Griffin. He's like, why did not Blake Griffin play? I was like, because he's old. And then I was like, wait, he's only a year older than me. (laughs) But yeah, like but you saying, you know, you've accomplished like a lot in 32 years. Like like you're still young. You have so much more of your life to go. You have so much more wisdom to depart, and I wanted to talk a little bit about, like, what is your main role that you try to give back to the
1: Skill Factory and some of the some of the kids that you work with there. So I have a, I got a lot of high talent athletes right now, and they're uh, you know, coming up through my program. So I just try to teach them a lot about stuff like off the court. Now I don't really get too much involved with the basketball. Uh, you no, know, they kind of got that. They put the time in working. in. It's going like to show over time, but it's the way you kind of got to man- maneuver through situations it's not always about the biggest school like some of these kids they want to go to the biggest school like no go to the right fit like
0: yeah
1: we all got synergy i watch your games on youtube all the time like college coaches and nba scouts they all do the same thing with that you no know, um uh, certain situations taking care of their body wants to the right medical people it's just being able to help out with those different avenues that um that i've learned over the course of my time and then the games changed so much you know you can connect them with Certain um, agents, certain people can help with an uh, NIL deal. So, you now I'm kind of that part with it, you know, just slowly guiding people, putting people in the right, uh, you know, the right spots to, to be successful. Because the, the, the best thing about all of this, they all have a serious opportunity to make an NBA. Right. So it's not like it's, it's a whole bunch of, like I want to say random kids, but a whole bunch of kids who's not on that kind of level, like talent level. So they, they you know, a year or two away after the eight to ten years they didn't put in, and I want to help them achieve their goal.
0: Right. Did you have anyone um in your life when you were in high school that kind of walked you through that process?
1: Uh yeah, I have multiple people. And I had Coach Reese, uh, I had Jeron Brown, I had Coach Dorn, but like none of those, none of those guys actually like made the NBA. So you know, sometimes it's kind of tricky when someone has and they like, you ain't never did it, I'm gonna listen to you. Like, right, you kind of have that situation, but with me. Actually, like living it and doing it right now, then they see me on TV. It kind of hits different, and I'm able to get my point across through better.
0: Yeah. What kind of and, and even from um, I know you're on TV now, but what kind of opportunities has the game afforded you? Um, You know, being a being a veteran, being able to be in certain circles and spotlights. Like how 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 have you used the game to think that? To think, to think more about life, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so one of my favorite quotes is use basketball. Don't don't let basketball use you. You know, me playing basketball has put me in, in so many different rooms and gave me so many different opportunities. Just kind of being a basketball player, just being an NBA. I've been able to do, you know, um, investments This because they need an NBA player. You might need right. a minority to look at a certain situations. But basketball has freed me up, gave me that access being able to learn from top players, uh, top CEOs, top executives, this plan on their team. It's just like we can have a meeting and talk. Well, if I didn't never play for the team, pretty sure they wouldn't want have a meeting meeting with me. And I understand that, and you know kind of use it to my advantage a lot of times.
0: You ever get out there and run with Jesse Jesse Itzler?
1: I do. Uh, I haven't I not got back out there lately. I think I might go to his uh, his race at his house in Connecticut. The first week of August, I got the invite. I got to make sure I'm in shape before I go out there and embarrass myself.
0: What kind of race is it? What is he
1: doing? It's, a, it's a, I think it's like a 10K up a hill. It's in oh, his backyard. Gotcha. It's just the same hill over and over. It's like four hours doing the same hill. Oh, gotcha. So, <laughs> And I was like, you want to do it? You're like, gotcha. No,
0: nah, I want to do it. I just ran a okay. marathon in April. Did you know that?
1: No. Nah, congratulations, man.
0: 26 miles, brother. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, we got going on this summer as we as we wrap up.
1: This summer, I'm I'm trying to you know be able to call some games at summer league. Might try to do some TVT games, either play or call some games. Uh, no, just slowly figuring out enjoying life. I got some some fellas down here that I work with over the past few years with pre draft, Danny uh, Avia and Taylor Meladu from overseas. They are down here working working out with them, mentoring them. Got a few vacations planned, haven't been able to go on vacation in three years dealing with COVID and the newborn and you no know, spent a lot of time with my, with my family, with my kids. You know, they're at a special age right now. They're growing up. My, my daughter's starting to like basketball. My son's like picking it up. So you no, know, I'm enjoying that process.
0: Yeah. As a father, was there anyone in the league or that or was there anyone in the league that is like impacted maybe the way that you approach fatherhood now?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of guys that that do a great job or take care of their family. Like, you know, beforehand, you know, outside looking in, you always think somebody's busy. Like, you're never too busy for your kids. And that's one thing that I learned seeing people, you know, operate over time. is like, your kids have something to do. Like, I could wake up two hours early, get my work in, get my workout in, and then get back and be able to take my my kid to school. So I've seen that through numerous athletes and players um, throughout my time in the NBA.
0: Yeah, and it's probably special for you to be able to accomplish much at a young age and be and be able to have the flexibility to be home for your for your kids as well.
1: Oh uh, yeah, for sure. make sure I'm staying in shape. You now I gotta wait about 14 years to Zion ready to play me one on one. I gotta make sure I'm ready when that time comes.
0: Yeah, it's fun. Um, I was the other day, I'd gotten up, I ran. And then I mowed the grass, and then my son wanted to play soccer. So we set the cones up, and we're just out in the front yard, just going back and forth, playing to, like, 10 goals. And I was like, man, this is, this is crazy that I'm still in shape, just to keep going back and forth with him and not get tired, even after all this.
1: Yeah, yeah, now nah, that's the thing that they can remember most, too, is just being able to get out there and, you know, have fun, and, and, and you don't want to be that old dad. Like, back in my day, I used to do this and that. Now I got to take care of your body so you can show them.
0: Yeah, exactly. I can still get up there and dunk for my for my kids yeah. <laughs> as long as I can do that. But hey, I really appreciate your time. This was fun. Um, I learned a lot. I got to ask some of the questions I've always wanted to ask you. Um, so this has been really cool. My son to this day still talks about when we went down there to Memphis to watch LeBron play. So that was like one of our most special moments. Appreciate you for that. Um,
1: hey, he, ain't, he ain't talking about coming down watching me play. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's how you do me dead. All right, all right, I got
0: you. He still wants some cards though. Like I like I texted you. He's in that he's in that collecting cards phase. So he wants a shelving that card soon. All right, I work on it. Work on it. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right. Now thanks for having me.